You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 413. We take a call if you want to go to the property or not. But as of now, uh, we haven't, you know, gone into any unknown sellers' homes. You know, that's one precaution we're taking. Mm -hmm. And we definitely don't want to slow down because uh, this is definitely a time where we can help more people and, of course, do more deals. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. You're listening to another episode here at Wholesaling Inc. My name is Cody Hoffheim, and I'll be hosting today's podcast episode, and I'm super excited to be with you guys. I hope everyone's well. I hope everyone's safe and doing everything you can to maybe find the adaptations that you need to do, things that you need to involve in your business, but also enjoying some of this time with family and loved ones. It's a different time that we're all living, but I believe there's still a lot of positive, a lot of good out there, and it's up to us. It's up to our perspective on what we can do. Now, today in this podcast, for those that are new listening to us, we're going to be talking about how you can find deeply discounted off-market properties and how you can turn these deeply discounted properties into huge profits. And today is going to be one of those that you're going to get ready to get some paper, get a pencil or a pen, and get ready to jot down some notes because this one's a big deal. This was one that they just were able to serve at a high level, find an exit strategy that works, and ultimately have an incredible win with this deal. So today with us today, we have Bomzi Bodu and Vijay Bodu. They are brothers that are really working this together. They've done about six deals in two different markets. We have Vamsi that lives in Florida. We have VJ that lives in Columbus, Ohio. And their market that they work is the Columbus, Ohio market. And so they're going to break down a recent deal that they did so you can hear how they did it step by step. So get ready. This is going to bring a ton of value to you guys. This is going to bring a lot of action items that you can go out there and simply execute yourself so that you can get out there and have a huge win, just like they're going to share with you on this episode today. So let's rock and roll. Vamsi, VJ, how in the heck are you two doing? Yeah, great, Cody. How are you? Doing well. VJ, how are you, my friend? Great, Cody. How about you? Good, good, good. Are you guys staying safe? Are you staying awake? Are you staying like, oh man, are you are you being crushed by all this stuff going on? Are you like, no, this is a time to learn new things and you're getting through all this just fine? Yes, we are definitely staying in for now just to make sure not just we are safe, but even now everyone in our family is safe because if we catch anything, they catch it too. So we are trying to be as safe as we can. We don't go out except for groceries. And then, uh, you know, if we know that we already have a relationship with the seller and if they're really motivated in showing us the property, we take a call if you want to go to the property or not. But as of now, uh, we haven't, you know, gone into any unknown seller's homes. You know, that's one precaution we're taking. Mm -hmm. And we definitely don't want to slow down because uh, this is definitely a time where we can help more people and, of course, do more deals. Yep. So how has it been for you? Let's maybe go right to there. How has it been as far as like 
lead flow? Are you seeing an increase of leads? Are you seeing about normal? Are you seeing a decrease? What does that look like for your real estate business? So when this thing first hit, we were already seeing a decrease in lead flow because we are trying to understand you know, why the contract rate was slow. So to be honest, uh, it has been slow at least a month before this started, and it had nothing to do with the coronavirus. So we really can't tell if it really went down. But what we have been seeing is that even the leads we get, the people who are interested in selling, they don't want us to show their properties. And you know we don't like to give numbers just on the phone without having a good deal evaluation done by yep. visiting the property. Yep. So it's, it's definitely slowed us down, but that's because we haven't adapted. But you know a lot of we speak to other wholesalers and they say they're getting a lot of deals. They're actually signing more deals now than they did before. So it all, I think it all depends on your mindset. If you're on the right mindset and if you have the right tools, you get more deals. As simple as that. So, 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 so true. I think this is crucial because here's the other question to this that I, I think is good to know. Is your marketing staying as consistent as you've always been or do you feel like you've decreased? I mean, have you, have you seen a drop in lead flow over the last month because maybe there's also a tie to your marketing or no? Are you staying strong with your marketing? I think it's, part to do, it's partly to do with the marketing too. Because, uh, you know, we pull leads from PropStream and maybe there were some duplicate leads. We are trying to pull multifamily homes. Eventually, when we skip trace those leads, uh, the, we try to pull 10,000 leads. When we skip trace, I think we only got uh, 400 multifamily leads. Uh-huh. So we realized that later. So definitely something to do with the marketing, I believe, too. We didn't go after other high priority lead lists like low credit and things like that. We were just pulling a general list okay. from PropStream. Okay. So that's one thing I always have looked at in my own business. It's like, okay, if there's any decrease, what's going on? We have actually seen an increase in leads, but we've also made sure that we've kept our marketing going. But it sounds like your marketing's going, and now it's just getting more opportunity, another list that will provide a little bit more opportunity than just 400. So that's that's always good to know and to understand, which is, this is awesome for our listeners to understand. It's still getting that marketing out there consistently and make sure that you give yourself enough opportunity, enough shots, if that makes sense. Make sure you're getting lists that they're talking about one that provides 400 and now they'll have to look for other lists that can provide a couple thousand, a few thousand more names so they can keep busy and keep going at this. So what deal are we going to break down today? I know this was one that you just did about three weeks ago. Ultimately, what I want you guys to do is kind of break it down to the beginning, right from like square one. How did you come across this uh, deal? Like what list did this deal come from? Sure. So this is Ansi. I'll break it down for you, Cody. Okay. So what we did was we did the, you know, because we have callers calling eight hours a day and we wanted to give a big list to them. So we did the same thing I explained just a minute ago. We pulled a big list from PropStream and we look for absentee owners, uh, you know, property liens and different kinds of lists. Okay. And then we put them in the Zen call system, which is our dialer. Uh-huh. And then we call the leads. So we call this lead, or basically our caller called the lead. And then she told us that, you know, the seller wants, is interested in selling. So we spoke to her and we spoke to her in November. She was not ready to show the property. She just got this property from her dad. Uh-huh. Uh, very good lady, by the way. Uh, and was it like and inherited or is that what it was it, then? Yes, yes, it was inherited, but we didn't get it from the inheritance list. We just pulled a general list you know, of absentee owners. Yep, yep. So yeah, we spoke to her. She was not ready to show the property. And then uh, we started, we made the first contact in November. 
And then she didn't want to do anything until the new year. So I kept following up. Uh, we followed up. How often did you, I say, how fo- often did you follow up? When someone says, hey, I don't want to do business right now. I want to wait a couple months. Do you wait a couple months or how often were you following up with this individual? Uh, depending on the situation of the property, if the property is completely, you know, it, it is not vacant, it has tenants and they are making money. And if they say, don't call me back in six months, we try to follow up in three months. But if the property is vacant, like in this scenario, we know that the motivation to sell is higher. So I tried to follow up every two to three weeks. Okay. I tried not to go beyond that because she might forget who we are. And then we have to start the whole conversation all over again. So crucial. I hope every one of you listening to this podcast right now is writing this down. It's to keep yourself front of sight, front of mind, and make sure that you are reaching out to them enough. So this was going to be a few months out. Every two to three weeks, he's reaching out to make sure that that, that constant contact is in place. And remember, that is what we call a touch. It takes about anywhere on average five to 12 touches for people to feel comfortable and trust you to move forward to do business. So every one of these phone calls are acting as a touch, which I think is really, really crucial to understand. So, okay, keep going. So we hit the new year. We're in 2020. What did the conversation sound like when you were working with her and now she's like ready to go? Sure. So even when we followed up in January, she's like, you know, give me a few more weeks. I'm definitely going to show you the property. There are a couple of people who are interested. So, you know, let me line up the schedule and then I'll let you into the property. And, you know, throughout this time, I was building good rapport with the lead. She Mm -hmm. was an older person and, you know, she had a couple of health issues. So I was trying to explain her the nature therapy, you know, the courses I went through and I was telling her how she could get rid of her back issues I was building good rapport with her. And to be honest, it had nothing to do with the deal. I was trying to understand how could I help her in a different way. In a subject, I was just getting knowledge uh, and I was very passionate about health. I just turned like that recently after my dad passed away from a heart attack. So I was more working on my health. So I was trying to give her help in any way I can. Although I was not a doctor, I was trying to help her. So everything was about building rapport. And then she was trying to understand what we are doing. We didn't talk about the numbers at this point because I told her clearly that I need to see the property before I even give you a number. But the most important thing was building the rapport. And, you know, she understood us. So she understood the pain that my mom was going through when my dad passed away suddenly. So I think that really gave us a good connection with her. And we kept the conversation going. And one fine day she said, you know what, go ahead, come over. Let me show you the property. This is crucial guys i want to i just want to capitalize on some of these things that if you haven't written them down i'm going to pinpoint some things that if it were me listening to this this is what i'd be writing down and that's a couple things working on building rapport making sure that you're always building rapport and getting close with people making sure you're building that relationship of trust working with people closely and then more importantly serving them in ways that is over and above real estate Bomzi was working on himself with his health. And because of that, found a way to serve this individual to help them with back pain and things that could serve this individual, this seller. And I want you to think about this. This is what we do in real estate. So many times we think because we're in real estate, we only talk real estate. And that's just not the case. Bomzi's teaching us right here how crucial it is to make sure that you serve them over and above. And there's no doubt in my mind that 
this is what's going to ultimately lead to them getting the deal. It's these little conversations right now going over and above and serving them. So awesome. Keep going. What happened when you went out and saw the property and what did that all sound like and how did that all come together? Okay, so yeah, Vijay then went over uh, to the property and uh, he built good rapport with her. You know, I, I let Vijay talk from here because he was the one who was on site. So, Vijay, you want to take over and yeah, leave this sure. portion? This is a yeah. unique thing. So you do the front end, Vamsi, it sounds like. And then Vijay is the one that's like boots on the ground, goes and does all the meetings. Is that correct? Exactly. And he's a very good negotiator. Uh, he learned some negotiating skills. And, you know, obviously, it's not just about negotiation, but how you come across as a person to anybody selling your property. So I think awesome. he's pretty good on that end. So I'll awesome. let him talk. Let's go, VJ. Let's hear it, my man. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I went, uh, met the person. Uh, she came along with her son and granddaughters. So I went, looked at the property. It was in a pretty good shape, uh, to be frank. Not much work needed. Mm-hmm. So we walked through the property, took a look at it. And then I was trying to get the number, uh, what she was looking for. Yep. And she wasn't comfortable at that point. She said, she asked me to do my research and come up with a number. So I I couldn't get get a number from her on that particular day, but we went back and then uh, Wamsi and I sat down, evaluated this property and uh, broke down our numbers. And we were more comfortable at 36,000 on this property based on the current situation of the property and uh-huh. the seller's motivation. We thought 36,000 was a fair deal. And then after looking at the property, we spoke to her uh, again. Wamsi called her probably two weeks, Wamsi, after yeah. the yeah. And then, yeah, we told her uh, the number that we were comfortable because she was very particular about not giving the number. So we we gave a number that we were comfortable with. Yep. And then she came back and said, hey, you know what? I'm not comfortable with 36,000, but what I'm looking at is uh, around 40 to 45. So that way, we were able to get a number out of her. Yes. Based on that organization. Yes. And so when you say 36 to help people, was that like your max number already or is that already like this a good starting point but i have some room to go higher if i need to that is a starting point okay we were comfortable paying forty thousand at that point but yeah we started with the number to figure out what her numbers were this is crucial guys jot down these notes it's not giving your max price out first i agree with this 100 percent. so many times we give that max number out and then realize I have nowhere to go. So if they don't accept it, uh-oh. So it's starting lower than your max price and giving yourself room to go up if you have to. I love right. this, gentlemen. And, and Kobe, to, Kobe, to be honest, we learned this from other uh, TDP members. So we partnered up with uh, other TDP folks from Houston, uh, uh-huh. Jai and Prakash. Uh-huh. And we told them, hey, how do you negotiate this thing? Because she doesn't want to give us a number and we are not comfortable throwing a number because all the properties in that street were being rehabbed and they were at 160, 140, 150. So we're like, we can't even give a number because it's too hard to give a number based on the properties which are have already been rehabbed. And this one needs a little bit of work. So we don't know how to do it. Can yeah. you help us? And then they told us that, you know what, just look at the recent sales. We looked at PropStream, what the recent sales were for properties which were done prior to rehab. And they were selling at 40, 45,000. Uh, and we looked at the county records, Franklin County records. And it did say that the property was at that price. And that's what I used uh, as my number. I told her that, hey, we see that the properties selling nearby are selling in that forty to 45000 price range. Yep. But your property needs work. So obviously our number would be after the rehab. 
So we did get some help from our other partners who taught us how to negotiate based on, uh, you know, some other factors. So that was another good thing we had going for us. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So were you able to, at that, you say 36, she's more comfortable between the 40 and 45. Is this something you did over the phone or is this something you did in person to put it under contract? So I did that over the phone. And then I, I let her go. I said, you know what, decide and just take your time, ma'am, and then let us know if you're comfortable with that number. And she told us that I'm actually at 40. I'll let you know what's going on. So she started talking to other wholesalers. And one day I was opening up a business account. She called me and told me that I have an offer from other wholesaler. And I asked her, would you mind me asking you how much is he paying? And she said 40000 And that's the price I wanted. So at that point, I congratulated her and told her I'm glad she did this deal. And just before hanging up, I just asked her, hey, uh, if you got the number you're looking for, why did you call me? Because you're happy with the number. You got the number. So it sounds like you're happy. Why did you even call me? I just want to understand. And she told me the reason I called you is because I liked you and I didn't want to go behind your back and do a deal. I wanted to give you a message that I'm going ahead with this other person. And she said, yeah, I, w- I just wanted to be honest. She's definitely a very good person. You never get a lot of people like that. Yeah. So yeah. I thought, let's just ask her one more question. I said, if I give you the 40000 you're looking for, would you do that deal with me? And she said, the, the whole reason I called you is because I like you. And if you are going to give me that 40000 I would go with you instead of going with that other investor. <laughs> This is so good, Vomzi. This is where we're talking about this rapport. This is the work between you and VJ going out there and being likable individuals, people that she learned to like, love, respect, and trust. And now she gets an offer. And instead of just pulling the trigger and saying, yep, it's the highest bid. Let's go with this one. She's like, but, but wait, but wait. There's been two individuals that have been working with me that have been great. I want to give them a shot. And I think that speaks highly of who you two were during the process because that's what gave you the shot at the end to come in and just simply match the price was because you guys did so much on the front end serving her and bringing value to her life that she felt the obligation that if you guys could come up to that price, She's ready to roll with you guys. And I think this is a testament of how crucial it is to build rapport and to establish that relationship of trust because people do business with people they trust. And what a good story behind all this. So now talking about you got this under contract of 40000 what did you choose for your method to exit on the property so that you could make money? So when we looked at the, like I said, when we looked at the, evaluated the property, all the properties which were rehabbed were selling for 130, 140. Mm-hmm. But the funnier side was we didn't even know that it was selling at 130, 140. We thought it was probably worth 90,000. So what really happened was when Vijay went to get the contract signed, the other investor was really pissed that he lost the deal at the last moment because that was his deal and we just took the deal away at the last moment. Yep. So he showed up and you know, Vijay had a really tough time because the investor took him to the side and he was trying to negotiate with him. And he was saying, you guys should pay me money because she was at 43 and I brought her down to 40,000. And Vijay told him, you actually, you know, we were at 36 and because of you, we had to go to 40. So that was a, you know, discussion with him and he was pissed. <laughs> and he was the one who said, 
Exactly. Hey, you know, you know the value of the property. And we said, I think it's around 90,000. It's like, no, it's at 140 if you finish the rehab. And we were shocked. Wow. Wow. So that was crucial. That was, that was good stuff. So what did you choose to do from here? What was your, was this something that you simply wanted to bring in a cash buyer or what was your method to use your strategy to use so that you could make profit on this, on this property? Right. And because the sale price was 40,000 and we had the cash and you know, the partners we, we had in Houston, they said, Hey, let's just take it down ourselves and try to sell it on the MLS. And we knew that the spread was bigger so there's no way we can go wrong because we've had, you know, our buyer list is not too big and the deal was too good. So we thought what the best way to do a deal when I mean, you have a big spread is just take it down, go to the MLS and list it. Worst case, worse, uh, if it doesn't sell, we thought, you know, it rents for 1000 to $1,200 a month. A 40000 property which could rent for $1,200 a month is a no-brainer. We can hold on huge, to the property. Huge, huge. Those are awesome numbers. Right. But we still decided to wholesale because we wanted cash in the business. We didn't want to hold on to any properties yet. Yep. The biggest factor was, should we sell it? Should we keep it? But then we decided, let's sell it off. So that's why we decided to list it on the MLS with a realtor. And we said, you know, cash sales only kind of thing. Okay. So you chose to take down the property yourself. You bought it with cash. You close on it. You own it now, and now you just simply do what most people call like a wholetail. You put it back on the market, on the MLS, and it's a cash sale only. And what did that end up doing? When you put it on the market, how long was it on the market? And ultimately, what did it sell for? I'll tell you what. MLS, putting it on the MLS was so exciting because when we are selling you know, properties to off-market buyers, we were very anxious about what price we get. And again, our experience in the past has been, hey, will we get a buyer or not? But as soon as we put this on the MLS, people went crazy because of uh, the ARVs in that area. Uh-huh. And the first offer, we listed it for 90000 Because yeah, our realtor said, crucial. if you listed 90000 you might get a competitive offer situation or multiple offer situation. So we said, let's go with your recommendation. I'm not the expert. You are, so I'll trust you. So we listed it for ninety. The first offer came in at, uh, I believe, ninety five. And uh, there was another offer right after that. And that person was offering 98, I guess. And again, they kept fighting with each other and they took up the price. The first first person offered 101. The last buyer eventually who we sold the property to offered 103. And we just were going crazy with these numbers. (laughs) (laughs) So the property starts at 90,000 gets bid up another 13 additional thousand dollars over and above asking price. So when we talk about what this looks like after everything's said and done with like real estate fees and like that, what were you able to net on this property? So we, we netted $54,000 okay. uh, after paying the closing costs and realtor commissions. It was 54000 after commissions, real estate costs, 54000 you said? Exactly. 54000 into our pockets, yes. Holy smokes. You gentlemen know what's coming right now. Hold on one second. All right. We've got the victory bell ringing out for Vomzi and VJ, who really, really thought every step through this on how to make this a deal for them, how to make this win happen. And I want you to think about the whole process from the beginning 
building that rapport to the end, not just simply maybe assigning the contract to an investor. And maybe that only would have been like a 20, 30 or 40,000. But to think outside the box and say, hey guys, let's find a way that's going to maximize with this deal that we found. What's going to maximize the return on our investment? And they did what's called a wholetail by just simply putting it back on the market. They own it and now they're just simply selling it. And here it sold for $103,000. Guys, this is an incredible strategy that you need to consider. Now, with some shifts in the market, I have not seen shifts yet in the real estate space yet. We've seen where unemployment's going up. We're seeing where some businesses are struggling, but we're also seeing businesses that are taking off during this time. And it's crucial to understand that even in our business right now in Utah, we're not seeing a dip in homes selling. There's still not enough inventory specifically to Utah right now. And so we're still seeing a steady retail market. And are you two seeing that as well in your Columbus, Ohio market? Is, is retail still going smooth? Do you still have not enough inventory? So people are still looking, people are still buying? Or what does that look like in your neck of the woods? In Columbus, Ohio, you know, we just get feedback from agents because I don't want to depend too much on the market conditions because I, w- I just want to focus on just putting the marketing, the keep the calls going and do the yep. follow-ups. But yep. at least from the feedback we get from agents, they say that, yeah, the buyers are not going to the properties to take a look at it, but it has slowed down a little bit, but it hasn't grounded to a halt. Yeah. So, so, so true. Well, you two did an incredible job today helping our listeners understand what you can do in today's market and just thinking outside the box of not just your straight assignment or for those that are buying them for their own long-term buying holds, but that there is this other option called a wholetail where you just simply buy it and put it back on the market and you're marketing it to cash sales. So you're still marketing it under the actual, the after repair value. This is crucial. This is great stuff. And I'm, I appreciate you guys breaking this down in such an easy way for our listeners to listen to. Now, we always break down with two things. And what I since there's two of you here, I would love to have each one of you share with me on this. We always ask two questions to end every podcast. So the first one is this, and you guys can pick who goes first, but knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done differently at the beginning that you're currently doing now that you didn't do at the beginning? Because I saw, so this is Vamsi. I'll start because I started wholesaling and then had my partner, you know, brother has added. Uh, so I would say that, you know, if six months, I tried my, the Miami market when I first started wholesaling. I've tried it for 10 months. It was okay. You know, I made some money. I made $42,000 in this market, but I spent $13,000. I still came up with a profit, to be honest with you. But again, I was not analyzing my marketing costs. I was not analyzing my operation costs. I was not focused on how much money was going out of my pocket versus how much was coming in. I was just thinking, okay, let's just put money and I'm sure money will come back. But if you keep an eye on your costs, I think you'll be much more motivated uh, and you'll be more focused on doing your next deal. And you know, you'll just shift your uh, business in a different way. I learned that from my partners again. They were very focused on the revenue coming in and uh, the expenses going out of their pocket. 
And I was only focused on the revenue coming in, but I was not focused on the expenses going out. And I was not doing it on a month-to-month basis. Good, good advice. VJ, my man, take it away. Again, uh, my brother has been my influencer all the while. So um, I wasn't much focused on wholesaling. So he's the one who taught me the whole wholesaling process. And I, the way he was doing his business in Miami helped me. Uh, it influenced me to partner with him. I said, why don't we start this in Columbus? And that's how this idea kicked in. And then we started here in Columbus. And as Vamsi said, we were focusing more on just spending money initially, but our partners in Houston helped us uh, set up the systems and they they taught us how to uh, calculate our expenses. And that helped us become more organized with our revenue. Perfect, perfect. And then here's the second question. What's a good book that you're reading right now that's helped you just in your personal development that you would love to share? Sure, yeah. So uh, I'm frankly, I was not much of a book reader. This is something I just started uh, six months back. So the first book I started was Miracle Morning. Uh, that too was introduced by my brother. So just loved that book. And after that, I completed Think and Grow Rich. And right now I'm focusing on further books. So, But yeah, my favorite book is Miracle Morning for sure. Miracle Morning. That's right. Such I a good changed book. my thought process. I used to be, I used to sleep late at night, wake up late, and I changed my whole schedule now. So I go to bed by nine nine thirty, wake up by five o'clock, do my meditation, exercise, and uh, read read my book. And That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. I love it, and I love how reading helped you shift into these new these new habits, and these habits are now serving you in return, which is, which is crucial. So I love that. Vamsi, what book would right. you recommend, my friend? So my all-time favorite book is The Miracle Morning because that is the book which changed my life. And that's the book which really got me into wholesaling because I gave up. After starting the program, you know, wholesaling in April, three weeks into the program, and I gave up. I thought, this is not for me. I'm not probably the right person to do this. I spend the money for the course, but that's okay. I can live with it. But then after reading the book, I'm like, no, this is not how my life should be. I should do it. And after reading the book, you know, The Miracle Morning, they teach you how successful wake up before everyone else, work on themselves first, and then get into the business. So that's when I did the whole shift. I started waking up at five, working out, and when I was running, that's when I got an idea that, hey, maybe I should uh, try this wholesaling thing again. And there was another awesome wholesaling tribe member, Todd uh, Duran. Yeah, yeah. I called him right away. As soon as I, you know, started running, got the start, I called him and I asked him to, uh, you know, let me into his office, see what his systems are. And he was doing cold calling and direct mail marketing. So that's how I really got back into the wholesaling track again. So I'm telling you, this book is awesome. Anybody who hasn't read this book should definitely read it and live it. I'm a living proof, an example. I lost a lot of weight. My health is all time best. I read amazing books, so my mind is always clear. And again, all these books uh, I started reading because you guys in your wholesaling uh, program recommended The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. That's another all-time best book for me. Anybody reading it should uh, reading books should definitely read The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity mm-hmm. because the whole concept of tithing just shifted my mind. Love it. Love it. You gentlemen did an incredible job today. I want to thank both of you so much for taking time out of your schedule to add value to the listeners here today. 
So thank you for joining us. And if Tom were here, he'd be saying the exact same thing. I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Cody. Now, thank you, Cody. It was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you, guys. And it is an honor to have you on here, by the way. And for each one of you, Rhino Nation, thank you for joining us today. Hopefully, this has been something that's allowed you to see how deals can be done in just different ways. How you're able to really, if you can just be a deal finder, go out there and find these deeply discounted properties. Those are the individuals that are going to make money in real estate because there really is quite a few exit strategies. You've heard so many of them right here on the podcast. So the crucial thing is, and I think the thing that has in common is, just get good at being a deal finder. Find these off-market properties and you, my friend, will make a lot of money, an absolute fortune in real estate. Now, if you're looking to get into real estate and you're really looking at how do I find these deals? How do I find these off-market deals? Go over to wholesalinginc.com, fill out a short application and begin the conversation. If you're looking to get into it and you want to be instructed just like Vomzi and VJ, we have right now going on a price point that will fit most people's budget because we want so many people in real estate at this time. Now's the time to plant the seed. Now's the time to get in the game, put the jersey on, and simply get in the game. Not watch it from the sidelines. Right now is an incredible opportunity for everyone to be in real estate, and we want to do what we can to help as many get involved. So we put it at a price point that will fit most people's budget, but you, you have to take the action. Go over to wholesalinginc.com, fill out the short application, and begin to have the conversation and see if it's a fit. And if so, let's get you up and running and get your real estate business up and going so that you can get out there and start finding these discounted properties. Guys, take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.